good morning. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to open it up to the book of Matthew. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to give Katie a text real quick that I won't need until later. But if you can get Matthew 13 pulled up for me, that'd be awesome. All right, yeah, turn to the book of Matthew. And we're going we're gonna to be running through uh, the really all over scripture here for the first part of today. But I want to catch you up uh, to where we have been as a church, and especially if you're new. I know there's a lot of people who are uh, traveling on a holiday weekend, and uh, even on a day where many are out, I've seen some that I I didn't know very well, and so welcome. Um, But if you are new, I want to catch you up to where we have been. And so back in September, we started a series, a journey, if you will, through the books of 1st and 2nd Samuel, and we called it the, the story of a king. And primarily we focused on the kingship or the life and the kingship of David. And when we looked at David, we saw how David pointed to and how his kingship was uh, saturated in some promises that pointed us outside of David to one that was to come to a greater king. We looked at this greater king during the Advent season. We looked at Christ Jesus, the ultimate king. And we called that series, The Story of the King. Now we are beginning the third part of where we have been journeying to this, uh, to this message series called The Kingdom of Christ. And so we've looked at the story of a king. We've looked at David. We've looked at how David pointed us outside of himself to Jesus Christ, our king, the king. But it's very important that we don't just stop there, but that we look at what it means to be under the king, to submit to the authority of the king, what it's like to live in light of his kingship and in his kingdom. And so that's what we're going to be doing. And I I think uh, this is going to be a wonderful time for us. I think this will be a great learning time for us as a church. The uh, amount of studying I've done so far, there's been many things that I have, you know, written beside it in the books that I've read, like, wow, like didn't have a clue of that. Wow. A highlighter has been active. Okay. And so I think it's going to be a really good time for us. And I think there'll be many weeks that you'll walk out and you'll say, man, I, I learned a lot today. And I think that's why I want to begin our time today in this series with the idea that God desires more of us than just to learn about him. And God desires more of Alberta Baptist Church and more of this pastor than just to learn about him and give you something else to put in your head. Because knowing's a big part. But what I'm learning as I've studied the kingdom of God, the kingdom that's at hand and the kingdom that's to come is what we're gonna have to learn to do is humbly submit to him. And I wanna lead you in that way today. And we wanna lead you like that every week and every day to know like, okay, this is what I can expect on Sunday mornings. I I wanna speak to you for just a second, okay? And so for us to explore and to seek what the Bible teaches, and that's what we wanna know about the kingdom of Christ. We're gonna study the gospels, the gospel accounts. We'll look at the four four gospel accounts in the New Testament. We're going to study also the book of Acts and the epistles, the letters. 
and we're gonna see what they teach us about the kingdom of God. And then we're gonna look at the book of Revelation and to see what we learn of the kingdom of God in the book of Revelation, okay? And so that's gonna be our, uh, the, the direction that we're going and the speed that we're gonna go in. Today, I wanna give you an overview, okay? So I think this is, for me, this is the hardest message of all of them because there's so many things that I wanna say and I don't have to say them all today, okay? And you all say amen. Uh, but, but we do, we do wanna have uh, the, the Lord to speak over us today. And I, I believe today is about posture, Today is gonna be about posture. It's gonna be about the posture that we are in as we engage God, our King, Christ, our King in his word. And for me, I know that's what it's about because I'm going to it and it's gonna be not not about what my will is. It's not about what I think or what I say. I, I wanna know what his will is. I wanna know what he thinks and what he says. And learn to daily, Repent to daily turn to him. Knowing that's where our life is gonna come from, knowing that's where fruit is found. And so that's what we're doing today. And so if you, if you looked at your worship guide and you were like, what is happening? The city's upside down. That's on purpose, okay? So like a couple of you, I think you really thought we made a mistake. We didn't. Uh, this is an upside down kingdom kind of thing we're talking about today. And so that's what you got here with your uh, worship guide. But if you will, go ahead and open that up and join me there in, in the outline. I put Mark 1. Mark 1 is really not where we're, we're not even going to look at that today. So <laughs> we'll see. We're going to use... Uh, we're gonna use Matthew uh, for that. But what I do want you to do is look there at your outline and we're gonna see in this series numerous things about the kingdom of Christ. And so when we talk about the kingdom of Christ, or you hear us talk about the kingdom of God, or you hear us talk about the kingdom of heaven, I want you to have an idea of what is being spoken about and what you find in God's word. And so when we talk about the kingdom of uh, Christ, number one, you're gonna see that we're gonna be talking about God's redemptive rule, reign, and authority found in Christ. Now, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Christ, this is the central theme of Jesus's preaching. We have before Christ is, uh, before he comes on the preaching scene, there's another guy that's, that's proclaiming. He, he's popular, he's out in the wilderness, he's wearing his clothes, he's eating locusts and honey. It's J to the B, okay? It's John the Baptist. John the Baptist is proclaiming this message and he says what? He says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And just as a quick note, if you're reading Matthew and you see kingdom of heaven, very often, it's over 30 times it says kingdom of heaven, only a few times it says kingdom of God. That's more than likely just Matthew's, uh, he, he is appreciating and acknowledging his Jewish audience who saw that the, the word of God, the name of God was to be revered in such a way they wouldn't speak it, okay? And so he says kingdom of heaven, it's referring to the same thing, okay? But John the Baptist says the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, turn. The king's here. That's the message. Matthew chapter four, Jesus begins his preaching ministry. 
And look at what we see in verse 17 of chapter four. Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Once again, when we see kingdom here, it's really referring to the number one thing that we're learning on our outline. It's talking about God's redemptive rule, reign, and authority. It's more about kingship than it was a place, okay? And so he's saying, the king is here. The redemptive reign and rule and authority of God is here. Turn to it. That's what Jesus is proclaiming in chapter four of Matthew. Starting in chapter five, we have the greatest sermon probably ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus Christ proclaiming about the kingdom and what it is and what it looks like. We see him say stuff like this, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says later in chapter five, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, which that seems impossible, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. He tells us in chapter six to pray like this. We prayed earlier, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Later in the same chapter, in chapter six, he says to seek first the kingdom of God. Like this is important. We're supposed to seek it first and his righteousness and all these things, all these things that we would be anxious over will be added to you. In chapter nine, we're told that Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them for they were harassed and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Chapter 13 he begins the parables and we're actually gonna use one of those today, but he, he talks about the parables and teaches of the kingdom through the teaching of these parables, the telling of these stories. In the book of Acts, the, uh, the apostles, they, they take the gospel of the kingdom and they proclaim it. The, the gospel of the kingdom is proclaimed from Jerusalem all the way to the Roman empire. Acts chapter 28, the very last verse says, talking about Paul, that he lived there two years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. We're told in the book of Colossians that Jesus has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. In the book of Revelation, we see a picture of Jesus returning and the kingdom physically coming to earth. Jesus physically and God, God physically being with his people. And so there's so much that we're gonna see throughout the scriptures about the kingdom of God and so and the kingdom of Christ. And so what we wanna do is get an overview of what we're talking about 
when you hear this phrase. And so I've already told you, number one, we see the kingdom of Christ is God's redemptive rule, reign, and authority in Christ. To best explain that, let's look at, uh, let's look at number two and number three as well. We're gonna see that the kingdom of Christ is now and it's not yet. So the kingdom is here and yet it's also to come. Example, we have in Matthew, we read this a minute ago. Jesus comes on the scene, he's preaching. He says, repent, turn, turn to me. The kingdom is at hand or the king is here. And so from that point on, this, this is the inauguration of the kingdom of God on earth. And Jesus is saying that the rule, the reign and the authority of God is here. And he was walking in Jerusalem. Like he was walking in the Palestine saying the reign, the rule and the authority of God is before you. And this is to a group of people who they're expecting the kingdom of God to come. They're expecting the kingdom of God to come in such a way that it is really flashy and showy and comes really strong and with a whole bunch of power and dominates the Roman Empire. And yet you have a carpenter. You have one that people saw as a nobody. What can come from Nazareth, they said. And that one walking the street saying, repent for the king is here. One of my favorite examples of him talking about the kingdom is a group of people come to him and they start asking about the kingdom of God. How's it gonna come? When's it gonna come? Is it gonna be flashy? Is it gonna be awesome? Is it gonna be this? Is it gonna be that? And Jesus says, stop looking around over there or expecting some big thing over here. He said, the kingdom is in your midst. The kingdom's right here. The kingship that you're looking for is right before you. and you're harassing me. See, Jesus came on the scene and said, the, the authority of God, the, the rule and the reign of God is right here. It's right here. We wanna see this and also acknowledge that when we hear reign and rule and authority, uh, understand that yes, it's true. God is sovereign over all things. Like we, we know this, that, that God, that he reigns over the entire world. We, we get this. But when we're talking about the kingdom of Christ, we're talking about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, we're not acknowledging just that God is sovereign over all things. This is something a little different than that. This is him saying that the redemptive reign, rule, and authority is before you in Christ. It's something that not, it's not something that just exists or that he just reigns and rules. It's something for us to submit our lives to. It's something we're being called to. We either receive it or we reject it. It's that kind of message. So we're not just acknowledging that he is sovereign. Like we're, we're submitting our lives to him as king. And that's what we see happening here in the gospel accounts. And we'll see it so much more, but Jesus saying the, the king is here. Repent, turn to me. The kingdom's here. 
But when we talk about the kingdom of Christ, we also need to understand it's not just something that's now. And there is so much now that we're gonna talk about. But there's also a not yet. There's also a still a coming of the kingdom. When, when the, in the parables, you're gonna see the way that Jesus describes the, uh, the kingdom of Christ is, is oftentimes in something really small. And so we're gonna look at that in point number five, but, but just to kind of point you ahead for a second, we'll, we'll see, he'll talk about like a mustard seed. Something that's really small that, that will grow and, and it will be something massive and beautiful and wonderful and even surprising. And so when we talk about the not yet, we're given in God's word what he will do when he returns and what it looks like when the king comes back. And when he comes back, he brings judgment. And when he comes back, he brings newness. And he brings something that really our hearts can only dream and long for. He brings about the ultimate end to sin and evil. It's removed, it's gone, and he reigns physically with us. That is to come and we, and we set our hope to that. So that's not today, like he, he hasn't returned yet. He is still to return. And so there's a not yet to the coming of his kingdom, but there's also a now to the kingdom of Christ, that it's at hand that it began when Christ was born into this world. When he began preaching, he talked about it. He lived, he died, he rose from the grave, victorious over sin and death. And he's coming back again. He's victorious. He reigns and he rules and he has all authority. And when we talk about the kingdom of Christ, that, that's what we're talking about, that kind of kingship. Like not even death can touch him. He is trustworthy and he is our king. And when we talk about the kingdom of Christ, we're saying we are to be in a posture to submit under him. What is his will? What is his mind? What is he calling us to? We wanna humbly submit to him, okay? We wanna see in this series, not only is God's redemptive rule, reign and authority, not only that it's something that's now, but also not yet. But we wanna see that the kingdom of Christ is upside down. And so we're gonna use this phrase. And so when I say that, I want you to compare and contrast uh, two really opposing kingdoms. The upside down kingdom of Jesus, of Christ, and the right side up kingdom of this world. And so we're gonna use that, that kind of phrasing uh, throughout this series. And so you've got the upside down kingdom of Christ and you've got the right side up kingdom of this world. <clears throat> and what you see in Christ's teaching and what you see as he is teaching us about what it's like to submit under his leadership, what it's like to grow in his likeness. We see that it's in direct opposition to the teaching of this world. 
it goes against it. It's like, it's like it's flipped over from what it's like. So uh, example, you could ask, what, what is it? What are the values? What are the values of the right side up kingdom of this world? You know, what are the commands? What, what are the, uh, what am I being called to? What am I being said? This is what you should look like. This is what you should care about. This is what matters. What is, what is the right side up kingdom of this world teach us about our value system? Well, you know, like, you know what magazines tell you? You know what the media and the culture teaches you? You know what your flesh says? Like, like we're told that money and power and beauty, that's all that matters. That your personal success, that's what'll make you. That instant gratification, that's what you live for. Those are the kind of things that we're told, and you know this, I don't have to walk you through it. But that's not the way the upside kingdom of Christ speaks over us. That's not the value system of the kingdom. The value system of the kingdom, and when we understand who our king is and who we are in him, that all of those things that matter so much to the right side up kingdom in this world, they're put in proper perspective. So it doesn't mean that we won't care about money. It just means we'll understand it rightly. It won't rule over our lives. It doesn't mean that beauty doesn't matter. It's just we'll understand beauty very differently. It doesn't matter that we, uh, I mean, in the right side of the kingdom of this world, we may live for approval, but in the upside down kingdom of God, we'll know our approval and ultimate approval is found in him. who makes sense of all of the things that the world tells us to live for, but also shows us just an entirely different way of viewing all things. We find with Christ when he teaches about the upside down kingdom, that, that he tells us that to live, we'll have to die to ourselves. He says that the greatest leaders they serve. He says that actually the kingdom of God is right before the that have such a difficult time grasping and seeing and entering the kingdom of heaven. He associates with the lowly and the outcast. He treats people the way that they are to be treated and valued, not the way the world depicts them to be. The upside down kingdom of God is something that if we're able to look at the world through the lenses of this kingdom, we will see and live very differently. And so throughout this series, you're gonna hear us make references to these contrasting kingdoms. And that's what we're talking about. The kingdom of Christ will help us understand this. It is upside down. But also we see that the kingdom of Christ is seemingly unimpressive 
and certainly unexpected. It's seemingly unexpected. I mean, seemingly unimpressive and certainly unexpected. I talked about it earlier, like when Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, he chooses the smallest seed that he knew, a mustard seed. Like that's not the way you would expect him to talk about his kingship. It's like a little tiny seed. Like that would be so unimpressive. He talks about it like leaven, like a small amount of leaven that's lumped into the dough. Think about Jesus himself. What does Isaiah 53 say about him? It says that to the eye, he, he was unimpressive. That people didn't even recognize him. They didn't think anything about him. I'll read it for you. Isaiah 53. It says, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. Like even Christ, like what could come out of Nazareth? Whenever we look at this and we begin to think about the kingdom and we think about our king, we have to remember phrases like this. The cross came before the crown. The cross came before the crown. And when we think about something seemingly unimpressive and certainly unexpected, let's just not talk about Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus's bride. Let's talk about us. This group of people who have placed their faith in that king. That we are his people, that he chooses to use us to make much of him in this world to proclaim the good news of his kingdom around the world. And I'm just gonna be honest, like sometimes if you look around, you might be tempted to say, this is it? Us? Like you look at enough of the news, you look enough of the world, like you look around enough and you say, this is definitely a mustard seed kind of people. Like, are you kidding me? This is God's plan? And yet my friends, I can guarantee you from God's word that what he calls us to do is this. And even when something looks very unimpressive, even when something seems insignificant, even when something is unexpected, you can know that God will do every single thing that he says he will do through the ways that he said he would do it. And what may seem like a little tiny seed it will grow into something beautiful and wonderful and great. That should speak into the lives of all of us who at the end of the day, we seem to want to only do great things. And just remember when we talk about the kingdom of Christ that it's described as like a seed. And just maybe, in the kingdom of Christ, maybe even the seemingly insignificant things and in acts of obedience. 
grow into the most beautiful trees. The kingdom of Christ is seemingly unimpressive and certainly unexpected. And the reason why we note this is because when we're talking about submitting to the king, there's a lot of times we think that submitting to him is only gonna be in this great, big, ginormous thing. And yet we may walk away from the life that he's called us to. And the everyday little things, we must turn to him for the king is here. We'll see that the kingdom of Christ is a kingdom that's ruled, number six, by love and grace. A kingdom ruled by love and grace. What, what does the king command? Like we could ask this, what, what does he call us to? He calls us to love God and to love our neighbor as ourself. He says for us to love just as we have been loved by him. In fact, he says in John 13, that's how we'll be known as his people, by the love that we have for each other. In John 17, Jesus is praying to his father and he says, Father, I pray that you would make them one just as me and you, Father, are one, that the world may know that I was sent by you. He says, in my kingdom, they are gonna love each other so much. My people will love each other in such a way they won't just get along. They will look like the relationship that I have with you. That's how the world will know that you sent me. That's how the world will know that I'm the king because my people love like me. It's a kingdom ruled by love and grace, a, a kingdom that the people forgive. They forgive one another. A kingdom where the people bear one another's burdens. A kingdom where the people serve each other. They use their freedom in Christ, not for themselves, but to serve. It's a kingdom ruled by love and grace. I can't wait till we look at the book of Acts and just think about this. What did the people look like? The people who said, we're going to repent because the kingdom's here. What did they look like in the world? Oh, it was amazing. It was beautiful. It was something to be not just seen, but something that we should be moved by. It was the people who believed that Christ was so ultimate. They knew how they had been loved by their king that they were able to love one another. That's how they responded to their king. It's a kingdom of love and grace. It's also number seven, a kingdom of reconciliation and restored peace. Christ's redemptive rule, reign and authority will bring about reconciliation and peace from that which was broken in the fall. Like that's what his kingdom's about. Like his kingdom will do that. In 2 Corinthians chapter five, it says that Christ is in the world, reconciling the world to God. Like that's what he's doing. Like he is taking what was broken in the fall and it's through his redemptive reign, rule and authority. He is making things new. He's making things whole that were broken. It's a kingdom of reconciliation and restored peace. And lastly, and I wanna make sure we see this, it's a kingdom to receive or reject. 
So if you will, look with me to, to close out our time today and to respond. I, I want you to go to, to Matthew 13. This is not a message on parables. We, we, will, we will certainly do that. But I want us to take time here just to, uh, to see what Jesus is saying to a crowd of people and what I believe that he is saying to us today about the posture that we ought to be in when we're talking about the kingdom of God. We're told this, Matthew 13, verse one. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat beside the sea and great crowds gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and he sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying a sower went out to sow and as he sowed some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and they devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some 100, some 60 and some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. Verse 10, the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them and he says, to you, it has been given to know the secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. And here, mystery is not like a puzzle. It's not talking about like Sherlock. It's not like that. It's saying there was something that was hidden that now is in the light. There was something that you didn't see, but now you're able to see it. Namely, that the key is gonna look like maybe you dreamed about. It's something like I'm showing you today in my life and ministry. And he's saying, you have been given the secret. You have the, been, had the mystery unfolded before your eyes. You know who I am. He's not saying you get everything because if you follow these guys' life, they, they don't get everything. But they know that it's found in him. And he says, for to the one who has, more will be given and, and, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophet Isaiah is fulfilled in that says, and when he says this, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You'll indeed, you, you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull and with their ears, they can barely hear and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. I want none of you to get thrown off by this text this morning. I want you instead to get in a posture of humility. Because today, if you see it and you say, but I, I wanna see, but I wanna hear, I, I wanna know. 
I, I don't, I don't want to be where I'm blinded to something that's good. I don't want to miss the king. I'm telling you, he's here and he's for you and he's with you. And if you will turn to him, he's there. What he's saying is this, is that you see it. You see it. And then he describes it. Listen, he's saying, you got me, I'm before you. And he tells them this, he says, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see. But see, they died. It was back in the day, they died. They longed to see what you see. But he's saying, but now I'm here. The king is here. The kingdom's at hand. And I'm before you, teaching you. Follow me, be like me, submit to me. That's what he's saying to them. And he's saying it to us as well. Verse 18, he says, hear the parable of the sower. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. So this is important to us because what, what if we hear it, but we don't get it? What if we hear it, but we reject it? He's saying, listen, he's saying when that happens, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. So today our prayer is gonna be massive because we believe that he's active in our midst, that Satan is like a lion seeking to devour, that he's here wanting to steal away your joy. And because we believe that, we're gonna fight in prayer. We're gonna cling to Christ our King. We're gonna ask for eyes to see him and ears to hear his voice. And we're gonna submit to him. We're not just gonna shake it off. Satan will steal it. We say this was what was sown along the path. Verse 20, he says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Who says, oh, this is great. This is cool. Cool doesn't get it. So they thought it was awesome, neat, great. Let's hear about it some more. He says, they received it with joy, yet has no root in himself but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. That's not what it's gonna be like for God's people. We're not gonna be people who we hear it and it falls away. We're people who hear it and we cling to it. No matter what comes our way, because we know that our King is risen, that he's victorious and he's here. We know that he's coming again. And so for us, we're in a posture of repentance, of always turning to him, knowing how serious the rocky ground can be. But for us, we don't wanna fall away. We want him. We wanna cling to him no matter what we go through. We wanna believe that even if we can't see, even if it seems unimpressive, even if it's unexpected, we know that he'll do what he said. Verse 22, he says, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. He's saying it's possible that the kingdom of God, that the upside down kingdom of Christ will not seem as appealing to you as money and stuff. This deceitful, and he's saying, have eyes to see and ears to hear. Cling to me, look to me. 
That when we talk about this kingdom, it's not something for us just to put in our head and to have some theology about the kingdom. This is a king that we are to submit and give our lives to. And he loves us and he cares for us and he wants the best for our lives. Being deceived by riches is not what he wants. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. Today, as we respond, and, and Jennifer, I'll go ahead and call you, go ahead and come. As we respond today, what I wanna invite you to is this. I believe that the reading of God's word is very powerful. And I believe that the seriousness of the kingdom is real. I also believe that the grace of God is ginormous. I think much greater than we even think. But today I believe the call is this, and I believe it's for all of us. You, you respond as you see fit. I, I believe this is urgent. I believe we should be in a posture of, we wanna see, we wanna hear. Lead us, guide us, we're yours. You're our king, we're your people. I think it's that kind of time. I think it's that kind of place for me as a pastor. I think it's that kind of situation for you as God's people here at Alberta Baptist. I think we yield to him. We look to him. We wanna hear from him. Not the kingdom of self, no. Not the kingdom of the right side up world, but the kingdom of Christ. He is king. We wanna hear from him. He loves you, he cares for you. He also calls you. He calls you to himself. And what we find from scripture, whether I wanna see it or not, is a call to receive him and to walk in his kingdom. The only other option is to reject him. And so today, let, let's submit to the Lord. Let's come to him. Let's believe that he's for us. He's never against us. And that he's the king we need. Let's pray together. Father, I do...